Well, good morning, church. Amen. Good to see you. Uh, I missed you last week. I appreciate you being faithful to the house of the Lord last week. Um, heading out to Nebraska. Then they got a bunch of snow, they thought, so we canceled that. And uh, so then I was able to come back here and kind of be a blessing to another church here in town that's kind of struggling, so that was really, really good. But I want to thank Mike. Where's Mike at? Is he here? Duff, where you at, man? That heathen snuck out. Okay, Jeff. Anyway, he preached last week and did a good job, and so I appreciate that. And also, Corey uh, stepped in and taught on on uh, Wednesday or Sunday night for us, and uh, so I appreciate that. We got a little bit of uh, cracking going on, <clears throat> but we are in this series, the Gospel According to David. I'm excited about it, but I'm even more excited. A couple new Christians in our church this morning. Well, actually, one's back there, but one's right up here. Lacey, why don't you stand? She accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Give her a hand. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Lord bless you, girl. We're excited about your new walk in the Lord. Amen. Thank you. All right. So open your Bibles, if you will. We're going to jump into this. Uh, Second uh, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 17. Now, I've been on some meds because I'm kind of sick, so my mouth is dry. So be patient with me as we try to get through this. Um, So we're looking at David, the life of David. Two weeks ago, we looked at him. Just a young kid, uh, Samuel came and anointed him as the king of Israel. And uh, when he anointed him, he asked Jesse to bring all of his boys, as we talked about two weeks ago, so that he could, he could literally anoint one of them. He just didn't know which one it was. But Jesse, the dad, never thought about bringing David because he never dreamed that David would be the king. And so there was no... It was, it was like... No one believed that David was going to be anointed king. And so everybody looked at this shepherd, but God looked at him as a future king. And that's the way it is with all of us. God sees our possibilities inside of us. And all others see different things. God sees who we really are. So that was then. This week we go into chapter 17 and we see David still a shepherd. It's like the dad still doesn't believe he's going to be a king. Even he doesn't believe it. The brothers, no one believes that he's going to be this future uh, a champion for the Lord. And so here David is, and he is, we're just going to set the background before we jump into Scripture. David is tending his sheep, but Israel is battling with the Philistines. So we got Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other, and they're facing each other. And for a month, they come out and they do the battle cry. They just scream at each other. No fighting. They're just screaming at each other. And so David's dad sends him several times to this battle to bring food and to see how the battle's going. And so this last time in chapter 17, David comes to the battle. He's walking with his brothers, brings food, walking with his brother, just talking. And they're lining up. And as they're doing their battle cries, Goliath steps out of the line and begins to challenge the Jews. Screaming at him, defying them, defying their God and everything. And so David hears this. So David, he's just wondering what's going on. And, and somebody around him said, did you know that if whoever kills this giant will, will get a great reward, he also will get to marry the king's daughter. I mean, it's like he gets, he gets, a, he gets a, table, a chair at the table 
part of royalty. And plus, his whole entire family don't have to pay taxes ever again. That, that would be a blessing. Amen? Okay, no more taxes. All right, so, so he hears this, and he goes over, and he talks to the soldiers. So David hears this, and he walks over, and he, he begins to talk to the soldiers and says, Is this true, that the one that kills this giant gets all of these things? And they said, Yeah. His brother hears it. And so his brother comes over and says, I know the pride in your heart. I know how wicked you really are. And begins to chide him. So David kind of, they have a little battle. And he walks away and he goes and asks some other guys if it's really true. And so the other guys say, yeah. Well, so, so what happens is all of this is beginning to stir amongst the soldiers. And so it gets to Saul, King Saul. And King Saul says, get that boy over here. So as David, now get the picture, David's 15 years old. He's coming and he's coming right to meet the king. And as he comes, he says this, he says, king, don't worry about this Philistine. I'm going to take care of him for you. And then of course the king says, yeah, you are. I guarantee it. You're 15 years old. You haven't been trained. This guy's been trained since he was a child in warfare. You don't stand a chance. So that's the backdrop of what we're about to jump into. Okay. So go with me, if you will, at verse 41. So David convinces the king to go out against Goliath. So he's going out against Goliath. Verse 41 says this. Goliath walked towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, shearing, sneering, and contempt at this, 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 this rugged boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come at me with a stick? Because all he had was a sling. And, they, and he cursed David by the nanosis of his gods. He says, come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath yelled this. David replied to the Philistines. Now notice the detail. You come at me with a spear, a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven, of heaven's army. The God of the armies of the Israel. Whom you have defied today. The Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Now, this is a great children's story, isn't it? I mean, this is a story we tell our kids. And, of course, David takes the head, and he drags it back. David's got the head of Goliath. We're not going to get into this. But he got the head, and he takes it all the way back home. There's no cooler. Can you imagine? I mean, this is the stuff we tell our kids, Right? Okay, so he says, and I will give, notice this, the bodies of the men. He's just not talking about Goliath. He goes beyond this. To the birds of the wild animals and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. And we'll come back to verse 47 in a little bit. So the title of the message, take your notes out. Let's go through this. Is The title of the message is simply Advantage. What I want to say to you this morning is David had the advantage. Now that kind of goes against our thinking, doesn't it? Our thinking is David and Goliath. Anytime that somebody has the upper hand of somebody else, we say, oh, it's a story of David and Goliath. Because that's what advantage means. It means the circumstances that puts one in, fa- in a favorable position. And I believe as we read this story, and we're going to jump into it, David had the upper hand. Now, let's think of David 
let's think of Goliath as the world. The Bible says that Goliath comes towards David with a spear, a sword, and a shield to destroy him. Now, let's just make application here. That's a type of the world. The world is coming out against us. Now, this is all introduction. The world's coming out against us. They're coming, I mean, whether you're saved or you're not, you're going to have all kinds of troubles, right? It's the nature of the beast. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have adversities. You're going to have sorrows. But we have the advantage. The problem is we don't believe that. We think we're the, the David and the world is the Goliath. But what we need is shift it around. Here's what we do. Tell me if I'm wrong. We hope and pray that, uh, we, what, that, that we don't have that many trials, that we don't have that many tribulations, that, that, that we just were spared of all the, the sorrows that goes along around us. We hope that, And so what happens is when it blindsides us and we're not prepared, what happens? We stagger because we're not prepared. And then the first thing we do is wonder what? Why? How could this happen to me? Right? And it's because we're not prepared. Now, we're going to come back to this verse, and I don't have it on the screen, but I want to read it to you. John chapter 16. Fantastic truth. Just introduction. Verse 33. Jesus says this. I have told you all this so that you have peace in me. Now, we're going to come back to this, and I'm going to have you circle this. Peace in me. Jesus is warning us that we're going to have trials. But he says... You can have peace in me. Notice what he says. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus is telling us this is what's going to happen. So we we shouldn't be blindsided. Now notice it says, how many many are we going to have? Oh, a couple in our lifetime. Not very many. No, it says many trials and sorrows. But take what? Heart. Be encouraged, okay? Know they're going to come and understand the promise that we're going to have peace because why? Because I have overcome the sources of your worries, the sources of your trials, the sources of your problems. Jesus says, so what he has, he said, bottom line is we can be prepared for these things. And so when they come, we have the promise of peace Because Jesus, he's going to take care of this stuff for us. So we don't have to stick our head in the sand. We can understand they're going to come. Can I hear an amen? I mean, fantastic promise. It's just, we need to be ready. No, Jesus said, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. So all of these Israelites, every time that Goliath would come out, they would run and hide. He came out twice a day for 30 days. They would do their war chants. Goliath would step forward, and they would run. We don't want to do that, amen? We don't want to do that with our trials and our troubles. Okay, so so here's the question. What gave David the advantage over everybody else? Why do I say he had the advantage? I'm going to give you three points this morning and you need to follow through because this is something that you're going to need to digest over the next week fantastic stuff because we want to be able to get victories over our goliaths 
We want to get victories over our sorrows, our troubles, the things that nail us. We want to get victory. We want to make application to the word of God. All right? So first of all, what gave David the upper hand? Number one, he sees things that others don't. He saw things that, that other people didn't see. You and I, if we're going to have the advantage, we have to be able to have the insight that others don't have. Think about it. The first thing he saw, the way he saw Goliath was different than everybody else. Remember what he said? Who is this Philistine? I thought that was pretty cool. Now, Israelites didn't see him that way, did they? They ran for cover every single time he stepped forward. They saw him as unbeatable. David says, who is this Philistine that you should run from him? Who is he? In other words, the idea is he is a nobody. He is beatable. He saw his enemy as beatable. He looked at, remember, he looked at Goliath as a stepping stone to get beyond Goliath to the other armies. Remember, he said, not only are you going to die, but I'm going to feed the flesh of your men to the birds of the air. He had insight that nobody... I mean, Samuel offered all of this money, his daughter, and no taxes because he didn't think anybody could do it unless they were challenged. And even that, he didn't believe it. He saw things that others did. His brothers didn't see it. The king didn't see it. Even the enemies didn't see it. Now, here, here's, here's the thought. When the trials come our way, let's look at it from God's perspective. Who are these trials? That they should set us back. The children of the living God. Who are these trials? Who is this Goliath? It should be a stepping stone for us to grow in our faith. It should be an opportunity to glorify God. So that the world, that's what David said, so the world might see who the God of Israel really is. So the the trials, the tribulations, we need to look at them differently than the rest of the world. Rather than letting those trials, boom, knock us down and try to stick our heads in our sand that it's not going to happen to me, hoping it's not going to happen to me, it's not going to happen. Instead of doing that, understand they're coming, be prepared and look at them in a different way. No one saw Goliath the way David did. Everybody, Christians included, look at their trials as some misfortune. Rather than God Wanting to do mighty things. Isn't that right? We want to pass, bypass our trials, <laughs> our tribulations, our sorrows. But it's an opportunity for others to see God's powerful hand at work. It wasn't for David seeing things different. Goliath, they'd still be out there today yelling at each other. This battle cry. So David sees things that others don't see. He sees Goliath. He sees the armies of the living God. Notice what he says. He said, who, are, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He understood who he was. Saul and all the armies thought of themselves as inferior, not David. David looked at himself. I mean, seriously. He looked at himself as an instrument in the hands of God to accomplish the purpose of God. That's what he looked at. So it wasn't inferior. God was with him, and God was going to accomplish great things through him. Rather than you and I looking at our flaws, 
David, everybody, everybody talks about how he was this wonderful guy with this slingshot. I mean, he practiced all the time. I mean, the Bible talks about the bear and the lion. He didn't kill the bear and the lion with a slingshot. He didn't come after David or Goliath with the slingshot. He came after Goliath in the name of the Lord. I mean, powerful stuff. He killed the bear and the lion with his bare hands. The Lord delivered him out of the paw of the bear, and the Lord delivered him out of the paw of the lion. Constantly, he saw himself as an instrument in the hands of God. Thirdly, okay, God was with him. This is the third insight that he had. Okay, He sees Goliath as no one else sees him. He sees the armies of the living God as no one else. He also sees that God is with him. None of the others around saw that. They did not believe that God was with them. The brothers didn't. King didn't. Even, even Goliath didn't believe that the God was with these. But David believed it in his heart. He knew God was with him. And when you have this clarity of vision and you see Goliath or your trials the way God sees them, and you see your sorrows the way God sees them. You have this insight to who you are in Christ. You're not inferior in any way. God is in you, the hope of glory. I mean, God that breathed this world, God that raised the Son of Man from the dead, He lives in you. And you are literally instrument in the hand of God to accomplish His purpose. He saw that God was with him. So when you begin to have this kind of clarity, rather than Goliath's too big, your problems are too big. Okay, I'm a nobody. And, and God's with other people, but he's just not with me. Then you're going to be defeated on every turn. The trials will get the victory rather than you. So he had the advantage because he could see the enemy he could see himself and he saw God. And when you have this kind of clarity, listen, your enemies will look smaller. Your faith will grow great. Your fears will greatly be defeated. The boldness for the cause of Christ will be off the charts. And the distractors, the fault finders in your life, they will fade away. They will die like, like fleas, dead fleas on the back of a dog. They're just going to drop off. They mean nothing. Because you, have your, you can see that God is with you. And you will be able to accomplish things that others won't even try to do. Because you're focused on your inferiors. Your inferiors keep you from stepping out in faith. It keeps you from growing. It keeps you from doing great things for God. Everybody see that? Okay. So let's grab a hold of the truth. Let's begin to see our trials and our troubles and our sorrows with insight of God. Not as we normally see them. Number two. Okay, what gave David this kind of advantage? He could see what others didn't see. Number two, he had faith in the living God. He had faith in God. All the way through that story, we see that. And we preach this all the time. But where did David get this faith? Where did he get it? It's evident. Let's go back to some of his psalms. Let's go to Psalm 63, because this is where it starts. Look at your notes there. 
Number one, he sought the Lord diligently. Psalm 63, excuse me. Okay, this is David's cry. This is, this is we're talking about how did his faith grow like that? Because all of us look at David as something, wow, he's way beyond us. But let's look at this. David cries out to the Lord. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Now follow this. I earnestly search for you. So he's searching my soul thirst for you. My body longs. Notice those those terms, search, thirst, and longs for you. It's personal. He's wanting to get to know God on a deeper level uh, in this parched and weary land where there's no water, okay? That begins to describe his heart. Now, we're asking the question, where did he get this faith from? Then notice verse 2. He says, I have seen the Lord in your sanctuary. I've seen you in the sanctuary. So he begins to search, and he's panting, he's hungry, he's, he's going deep after God in the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And then, all of a sudden, what happens? He finds the Lord. Everybody see that? You're not going to find that deep, intimate relationship with, with the Lord unless you're searching. It's not going to happen. Now, I, I don't want us to be shallow Christians at real life. I want us to be honest with ourselves and real if you don't pick up the bible during the week and you're not searching for him you're not going to find him but here's the great thing let's look what it says it says he searched i mean he craved he longed for this intimacy with god and he found it in verse two then notice what it says i gazed upon his power and his glory but before that I have seen you in where? Your sanctuary. <laughs> All right. That, that's, that's the temple. He, he, he comes into the temple. He's been searching for the Lord and searching for the Lord. And sure enough, he comes to the sanctuary and he finds the Lord. But not just that. He gazes. I mean, he's at awe with his power and his glory. And then it goes on. It says, I will praise you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to you in prayer. So he's in his sanctuary. Okay, get this. He's in the sanctuary. And, and, and all of a sudden, he begins to understand who God is. And he's at all of his power and his glory. And his hands just automatically, because God is revealing himself to David. But it all starts. It all starts. This searching. This hunger. This longing, which I'm afraid most of us don't have. We've got to get back to this. And then he says, I lift up my hands in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. He says, I will praise you with a song of joy. Notice this. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. All right, fantastic stuff. Where did this faith come? It starts from this hunger. And this longing to know the Lord. And then guess what? When you come to church and there's preaching of the book, something's going to happen. And all of a sudden God's going to speak to you and he's going to reveal himself. How many this morning want the Lord to reveal himself to you today? Maybe, maybe a truth of his. Keep, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's just, while you got your hands up, let's lift the other one up. 
Again, I just want to practice this. Lift up your hand and say, thank you, Lord. Because he is revealing himself, right? I mean, we're reading scriptures and he's revealing some truths to you. He, okay. It comes as we meditate through the night on what? Well, normally, what do we, what do we think about during the night? <laughs> our trials, our problems. Our worries keep us up. Because we think these, these problems are this big. Rather than thinking our God is this big and gazing at his power and his glory. We're focused on this small, minute problem in the eyes of God. But we make it huge. Amen? We do. I'm not just talking. I'm, ta- I'm included. Number two. Okay, where does faith come from? Number one. All right. He sought. Number two. He recalled his past victories. I love that. He recalled past victories when God worked in his life. When Saul, when Saul told David, there's no way in the world that you're going to be able to defeat Goliath. He's like 10 foot tall. You're 15 years old. There's no way that that's going to happen. David was facing Goliath. And as he's facing his trials, as he was facing his enemy, He recalled his past victories. As you are facing your trials, as you are facing those adversities in your life, which they're going to be there and they're going to come, we need to recall our past victories. Number three, he reject discouraging words. He rejected discouraging words. Me, I mean, just think about, what if we'd have been in David's spot? And we heard God wanted us to, to, to deal with this Philistine, this trial. And over here, someone's saying, oh, oh there's no way. Uh, uh, you're just a child. There's no way you can handle that. The soldiers were laughing at, G, at David. His brothers were chiding him. The king was doubting. And, and, and Goliath was mocking him. What if he had meditated on that as he went out to face Goliath and he allowed those words to get him down or to get him focused on his inabilities rather than focused on God's power and his glory? What we do is people around us, we take all of that in. And it can get us discouraged. It can bring us down. And it can get us where we are defeated by our trials and by our tribulations and the things. So he, he literally remembered his past victories and he rejected those discouraging words. And number three, he realized the true nature of the battle. Number four. <coughs> Let's go back to our text. Look at verse 47. David understood. He's talking about after he de- defeats Goliath and it says, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. But not with a sword, not with a spear. This is the what? This is the Lord's battle. And that's what we need to remember. In John, again, John 16, 33, Jesus says, you're going to have all these sorrows. You're going to have all these troubles. But I have overcome the world. Well, what in the world's that got to do with your trials and troubles? Why did he use that in the same sentence? Why did he use that in the same verse? 
Because he says, in this world, you're going to have trials, you're going to have troubles, you're going to have problems. John 16, 33, he he says that. And then over here he says, but take heart, be encouraged, because I have overcome the source, the sources of all your trials, of all your troubles. I have overcome Goliaths that have come at you with their swords, their spears, and their shields. All you have to do is by faith believe what I've said and take advantage that I will take care of these problems. In other words, when the trial comes, I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. Lord, here it is. How often do we do that? I mean, let's just be honest. How often do we do that? We just start racing with what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix that? How are we going to fix it? Am I right? That's what we do. And I know, I know it's true because number one thing I do is I do a lot of counseling. So it's, it's just what we do. I said, have you ever, you ever thought about the Lord? And the majority, because we're all, we're kind of young in the Lord. So, the, so sometimes the Lord and getting on our knees and searching for God is almost like the last thing we do. And when we search and, and we hunger and we thirst and we come to the sanctuary, God shows up and we gaze at his power and his glory. It's fantastic stuff. The battle is the Lord's and not ours. And hopefully this is encouraging because we're all in the same boat. Am I right? We're all in the same boat. I mean, none of us are way above anybody else. We're in this together. And we need each other. I need you to expect the trials that are coming your way. Because if you don't expect them, you're going to be discouraged. You're not going to be there to help me. I'm not going to be there to help you. And we're all going to be having our head in the sand and not prepared not ready. And we could be discouraged for years. We could be defeated for years where we're not being used by God. We're not instruments in these hands because we've been focused so long on woe is me. I mean, seriously, I've been there. And we're so wrapped up. We think, oh, we're so insecure. Only this guy can really be used by God. This guy. And, and, and we get wrapped up in all of this garbage, lies. Because his goal is to get us wrapped up in that stuff. Okay, number three. What gave David the advantage? All right. He saw what others did not. Number two, he had faith in the living God. And what gave him faith that he sought, he recalled, he rejected, and he recognized the true nature of the battle. Number three, what gave David the advantage? Okay. Number three is the governing principles of his life. The governing principles of his life. There were some certain principles that he believed and he held on. I mean, kid's only 15. Think about this. He's 15 years old. Even before this, God sent Samuel to anoint him because he knew that David had a heart after God. Why do you have a heart after God? God knew that David was going to obey him in all his commands. He was obedient. That's some of the governing principle of David's life. Number one. Let me give you three of them. Okay? 
And, and we, we see this from verse 45. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? It just means he's a vessel. He's doing what the Lord wants. He, it's, it's about God's kingdom and not his kingdom. The number one principle, the purpose of his life was the purpose of God. His brothers claimed that his purpose was selfish. The king claimed that his purpose was impossible. But David said, there's something bigger than me at stake. And that God has a purpose and he has a plan here. And that purpose and plan is to reveal that we are the armies, not just of anybody. We are the armies of the living God. We're the armies of the living God. David really believed that, his purpose. The name of the Lord was at stake. Number two, the power he trusted in was the power of God. Now, you can look at that verse 46 and verse 36 as well. He trusted in the power of God. All right. Romans chapter 8 talks about this. It says, if God be for you, who can be against you? Now, the problem with that is, is we see that verse, and that verse tells us that any enemy that comes at us is not going to get victory. Okay? They don't even stand a chance. And so we see that, and we want to claim that promise, but it seems like we've, we've experienced defeat on every turn. So how does that line up with our experience? Right? Well, sometimes the defeat is the plan. Because sometimes we need to be humbled. Can you hear an amen? Sometimes we need the defeat so that God can rise up, and he's the one that gets the glory, and it's all about him and his kingdom and not my kingdom. Sometimes I need to be defeated, and he will never, of course, be defeated. Now, that's just a small battle, but, of course, he's going to win the eventual war. All right. So the, 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 the power he trusted in was the power of God. Thirdly, the glory he sought was the glory of God. Amazing. All he cared about was the glory of God. Verse 47, he, he, he specifically states in verse 46 and verse 47 that everyone will know that there's a God in Israel. That was his thought. So he wanted to magnify and glorify God rather than his own personal kingdom. These, why did David have the advantage? Because of these governing principles of his life. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning. But the Bible says we are the ones that have the advantage. We as children of God have the advantage against all the trials and tribulations and, and adversities and sorrows that come our way. We have the advantage. Why? Because God is with us. If he's not with us, why are we gathering here? If we're not coming to actually seek the Lord, are we just coming to, to put in a time clock and walk away and say, I did my time, so hopefully God will bless me. Hopefully God will bless me. Hopefully God will bless No. Seriously, we need to come with a different mindset. God, I want to know you. And I want, it, I want it to be about your kingdom and not my kingdom. And when it's about his kingdom and not my kingdom, then all of a sudden we have, listen, 
all of a sudden we have John 10.10. 10. We have the abundant life that he promised. Why is, why is all these Christians not having the abundant life? Because it's about their kingdom. And not about his kingdom. When you're serving him and you're serving others, all of a sudden that brings you joy and delight because people get saved. People's life turns around. It's all about that rather than the trials. When, when, when you're focused on yourself, oh, there's nothing more miserable. How you guys doing? Sorry about that. There's nothing more miserable when you're focusing on yourself because it just magnifies you and all your flaws and all your problems, everything. But when you focus on others, you focus on how you can help. You focus on him and you gaze at his power and his glory. It's a totally different life. Let's not get sucked up in the way the world thinks. Let's see things the way God sees them. Let's have the insight of reality. God is in us. He's here. And he wants us to have that abundant life. And it's available. It's so available. We just have to get our head out of the sand, understand they're coming, and give it to God. Say, God, here's Goliath. Here's my Goliath. I don't want to think about it, Lord. I don't even want to get my slingshot out. Lord, you just take care of it for me, will you? And then he'll say, get your slingshot out. He'll tell you what to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, what is your governing principles of your life? What is it? What are they? I mean, honestly, is his purpose your purpose? Is the power in your life that you're living by yours or God's? Are you seeking your own glory or God's glory? What exactly is your governing principles this morning? We're going to have some music just play quietly. We're perfect on time, guys. All right, time's perfect. If you're here this morning... And you got some trials. You got some tribulations, and they're getting you down. This is a great opportunity to come up and claim John 16, 33. You can have peace in Him. It's there. And you can be encouraged. You can take heart by understanding and believing He has overcome the world. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a moment. If God has spoken to you, and you just want to come and pray about your trials, your tribulations, you want to pray about your purpose and your governing principles in your life. This is an opportunity for you, heads bowed, eyes closed, as they play softly. This is an opportunity for you. This is a very serious moment between you and God. Maybe this morning, you're not seeking, you're really not taking this Christianity, this walk, seriously. But you want your faith to grow. You want to have all the benefits, but the seeking part, the desiring part is not there. Maybe you just want to come and pray about that. Whatever God spoke to you about, we're just just a, a few moments right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Why don't you respond? Come down here and do business with God right now. Will you come? Will you come? Amen. Amen.
Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. This is between you and God. No one else. No one else. No one looking. This isn't a pride issue. This is about you and God. What is it that's holding you back from really getting serious about His glory? About serving something bigger than yourself. Just a few more moments. As folks are down here praying, how about you? Much. We thank you for the word this morning that you have given to us from the life of David. Thank you for revealing to us that we have the upper hand. Our trials, our tribulations, all of these things, they don't have the upper hand. We do because you are with us. May we see this, Lord. Help us to, on a daily basis, see that we have the advantage that, that greater are you in it, on us than, than he that's in the world. That if you're for us, it's rhetorical, but if you're for us, no one can stand against us. May we, may we see these truths and may we begin to believe them and incorporate them in our lives. Father, may, may this be a time that we take the next step in our Christian walk with you. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to long for you, to thirst for you like a deer in a parched land where there's no water. And then, oh God, may we see you. May we find you. I'm, I'm talking about the meditation upon your word reveals insight. Lord, even David said, because of his meditation upon your word, he had greater understanding and insight than all his teachers. Father, that can be us. Help us this morning to literally have that kind of hunger so that we can get to know you intimately. And that all of the trials will fall off of us like nothing and that you will be magnified through our lives. We should give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, ushers are going to come forward. We're going to take the morning offering. And as the ushers are coming, the band's going to sing. After they're done, you are dismissed. Again, God bless you for being here. We appreciate it very much.